Hello, and welcome to the Book Bat Podcast, here to help you navigate the world of Christian fantasy books. I'm your co-host, Carlissa J. And I'm the other co-host, Jason. And today, we're going to talk about magic. It's magic, you know. <laughs> Never believe it's not so. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. It makes you wonder why I'm not, like, singing professionally or something like that. <laughs> So magic and the use of magic in fantasy tends to be a controversial topic in Christian circles. Well, it's one of those things that I find a lot of people don't think about it. But when the subject gets brought up, there's a lot of strong opinions about it. Yeah, that's probably a great way of summarizing it. (laughs) I wanted to start off with saying... Hold on, hold on. What? First of all, should we define what we mean by... Magic and fantasy. That, that's where I, I know, was I, going to. Oh, you're going to start with that. Okay, that's where see. I was going to. So first of all, uh, usually the conversation around magic in Christian fantasy revolves around the concept of magic as sorcery. So using spells and incantations to control spiritual powers. But it is worth saying that the word magic has multiple dimensions to it. If you look it up in the dictionary... I found three common definitions. One is sorcery, of course. One is illusions and sleight of hand. It's what we would call party magic. And the other is a sense of enchantment. Oh, okay. So hence what they refer to when they say Disney magic. (laughs) Yes. What? That's what they mean. That is what they mean. All right, cool. Yeah, in thinking about magic, I think we have to keep in mind those multiple definitions. But also, I want to say... Traditional fairy tales have another dimension of magic, the sense that nature itself is full of magic, which we wouldn't think of as magic because we're used to science explaining all the details for us of how things work. Whereas in other time periods, it was just appreciated as, all right, there's a magical aspect to different things in nature. Or just something that we can't explain, so Mm -hmm. magic is essentially the catch-all word used. So one question I think is worth asking for helping us parse out how we personally use the word magic. This is a question I came up with. Does God use magic? And you actually have a very good example of God using quote-unquote magic. Yeah, so when Moses goes before Pharaoh and his wooden staff is turned into a snake... Is that magic? I think we would probably step around the issue by saying God performed a miracle. But really, if you read a storybook where something like that happens, some being, even God himself, turns one thing into something else or helps a human turn one thing into something else, I think magic is instinctively the idea that would come to mind for most of us, certainly for me. We get so familiar, though, with the biblical stories that we stop thinking of it like that. Mm. So, question. Jesus turning water into wine. Yeah. Mm. Magic. Walking on water. Magic. There you go. See? (gasps) Raising a man from the dead. Yeah. Very spiritual magic. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's all those healing miracles that kind of just happened. It's not like Jesus was performing surgery on these people and did some far out technique or something like that. Yeah, I think we have, again, we would use the word miracle, but in a sense, 
it is also connected to the supernatural. It's just God using his supernatural power. Fair enough. I don't know what argument I saw when I was looking this up. Well, what about thing that I found when looking up um, different people's opinions on this subject? And a lot of people just go, no, Christians should not have magic in anything they do because the Bible says no to magic, blah, 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 blah. So they just say all magic is evil. And I'm guessing those are the people that say the Harry Potter series is demonic, won't touch the Lord of the Rings or any of Tolkien's stuff. And they also won't touch C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia because, you know, all magic has to be horrible. It's fantasy. This is make-believe. And you can use magic essentially in a multiple different ways that don't involve incantations or mm-hmm. spells or but then again it's like you can also make the counterpoint of well what we see as incantations or spells could just be seen as technology or whatever that we just or the average person doesn't understand so who's to say that the wizards in middle earth aren't just really tech savvy people i don't know they had smartphones in their pockets <laughs> they just didn't see them <laughs> Tolkien has an interesting way of approaching the use of magic. I wanted to describe a scene from Lilith. Written by? George MacDonald. Of course it was. Yeah. Good old MacDonald. <laughs> and yeah, you can tell me what this seems like to you. So, a raven pulls a worm out of the ground, throws it in the air. It turns into a glowing butterfly that leads the protagonist to where he's supposed to go next until the protagonist decides he gets this impulse to grab the butterfly. As soon as he touches it, it turns into a book. So were there any incantations there? No, it sounded more like a scene from a very weird video game. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of for some weird reason. I was just thinking, it sounds like a very weird video game. There's no incantations, there's no sorcery, but I would say that is full of magic. Very true. How does a worm thrown into the air become a butterfly? Magic. How does a butterfly become a book as soon as you touch it? Magic. How do, when you touch certain color rings, it takes you into certain different places that you cannot explain? Like in The Magician's Nephew? Magic. But yeah, it's a magic that has nothing to do with spellcasting or sorcery or trying to control supernatural powers. It's just the magic that's built into these worlds. Yeah, and that's another thing about fantasy that between what we've talked about off the mic, obviously, and what I've read from some other people, some people take the opinion of, you know what, sometimes you can just build magic into the world or what we would call magic into the world, but it's just part of everyday life for them. So if that's the case, you could argue for them, is it really magic? Mm. Like for the, what was it? Was it a crow or raven? A raven. A raven. Okay, sorry. You just always bug me. raven who is also a man. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So he picks up a worm out of the ground and tosses it into the air as opposed to eating it. He's that fully aware, it's, yeah. That in of itself, we would call very weird. However... Maybe that's just what they do all the time in that world. So it's like, mm-hmm. how hum, big deal. Yeah, we see him I tossed a worm into the air. We see him do it multiple times. He understands what he's doing and why it turns into a butterfly and stuff. But we, we have no idea. <laughs> the reader doesn't. And I'm guessing the character doesn't, at least at the nope. moment. Does he ever find they, out why? Not exactly. Yeah, I mean, there you go. See? 
Boom. The raven has his way of trying to explain it, but it's all riddles and confusing. <laughs> so, does fantasy require magic? I'd argue, yes, it's in the name of the genre. <laughs> fantasy. And fantasy, to me, means that either the whole story or elements of it, at least, are things that just can't be explained. Or, you know, if they can be explained, it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland type thing where it just is. <laughs> you ate this mushroom, you grew really big or whatever. Yeah, Mark Worthing in Narnia, Middle Earth and the Kingdom of God, he argues that magic is part of what separates sci-fi from fantasy. Mm. Because sci-fi is more about having an explanation for why things are working this way. Whereas if you, Tolkien talked about if you explain away the magic in fantasy you've ruined it <laughs> yeah it takes away the wonder of it so like okay so i would call an instance of magic that most people may not think of as magic inherently is like gandalf talks to butterflies frequently <laughs> and that doesn't happen in the real world you can't talk to butterflies i've seen you try carlissa you can't <laughs> I'm sure it all makes sense to Gandalf. He knows what's up, how it works, and so on and so forth. But to everyone else around him, they probably look at him like, he's talking to butterflies again. Yeah, but they seem to understand what he's saying. How does he do that? I don't know. Magic? <laughs> I would say fantasy is a descendant of fairy tales. And a core aspect of fairy tales is a special kind of magic. So in summarizing J.R.L. Tolkien's essay on fairy stories... Philip and Carol Zaleski say, A fairy tale's essence is enchantment or magic, not the mechanical magic of the conjurer or the power-seeking magic of the magus, but the magic of elvish enchantment that bears the mystery and beauty of creation. Huh. I just realized something, sweetie. Mm -hmm. Considering that they're never really fully explained, at least that I know of, the Chaos Emeralds and Sonic the Hedgehog are magic. Yep. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I just realized this. You could find magic in so many different stories if you, yes, if you're not thinking, trying to narrow the definition of magic to just sorcery, because that's not actually how we use it in real life. That we is use true. the word magic to mean a variety of different things. Yeah, when Disney uses the word magic, they aren't meaning we cast a spell on this. Woo! Yeah, when they say their parks are full of magic, they mean that they had special technicians and artists specially designed things to make as enjoyable an experience as possible. Yes, to elicit a feeling of enchantment and wonder from the people going to said parks and attractions or movies. And they succeed more with some people than others. <laughs> yeah. Although their lineups in Disneyland are fun. What lineups? I've never been to Disneyland. You're going to have oh, to refresh. okay. So they're set up in a way predicting that they will have tons of crowds and so the lineups will be really long. So they want to make your lineup experience as enjoyable as possible. So they have like fun settings around the lineups and Oh So it's like you're you're entering into this new setting and new world while you're, you know, slowly walking towards the Oh, kind of like the the one the one uh, new part of the Universal Amusement Park, the Mario themed one. How they have all those different pictures and stuff like that on the wall for yeah. you to look at and stuff like that. Yes, stuff like that. In the so lineup. that oh, okay, so that you're okay. not bored and feeling like oh, this lineup is so long. It's taking forever. <laughs> I'm gonna look at my phone. 
people do that anyway. They don't need the help. <laughs> so, moving on to the next point you had, because yeah. you have points on these things. I just have opinions. I think fantasy feels incomplete if the magical aspect isn't done well. At its best, fantasy has magic that is birthed from the enchantment of nature or the deep magic of spiritual realities, as in Narnia. Mm. I think Lilith plays around with that too. Or an understanding of human nature and temptation, as in the One Ring in Lord of the Rings. Good points. Okay, I respect that. Oh, the One Ring... I think a lot of Christians don't have a problem with its magic because they're like, oh, it's evil magic. And all magic is evil, as we know. So they're okay with that. What they don't, what they tend to draw the line at the good guys using magic or they're being quote unquote light magic. It's prayer magic when miracles happen after prayer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That is one explanation i saw one guy use as a way for a fantasy writer to have magic in it is to root every instance of quote-unquote good magic directly to god and essentially a thinly veiled spiritual type thing like you said a prayer magic or prayer or just understanding the nature reality as it is if you anchor it too closely to stuff like that then you run the a very real and heightened risk of ruining the fantastical elements of your story. Because if you're going to go... If that's the only type of magic. Yeah, but if... Exactly, because that's the one thing in Narnia. A lot of people will point out the magic used or referenced in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as, oh, it's obvious allegory to, you know, Christ's sacrifice, Satan's command over those who have fallen, yada, yada, yada. But if you read the rest of the Narnia series... There's a ton of other magic, and some of it is used by good characters, and it's not given an explanation. Like I pointed out, the colored rings in the magician's nephew, those are never given an explanation. And it's not like Aslan looks at the humans and go, You use those magic rings! I condemn you all! C.S. Lewis and Tolkien also talked about it when people you know brought up to them the idea of well should fantasy have magic or anything they wanted to parse out intentions not just uh what is magic and what isn't but Mm. when you're using a form of power what is your motivation behind using it so they would talk about how they believed some of the ways that we use science and technology in the modern world are about trying to erase our mortality or trying to create immediate results in areas where maybe it's healthier that we don't get immediate results. And they argued that that was a form of modern sorcery because our intentions full of greed and pride. Therefore, our intentions are impure. Therefore, we're using it like magic, like sorcery. Tolkien argued that things like airplanes and trains kind of erase our sense of place because you can be in one place one moment and then suddenly you're in another place. So we start to lose the value of understanding, you know, each place is something special, including all the places we skipped over to get from one point to another. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. So basically with that mentality, we'll say he would argue that taking an airplane from here to the nearest major city, wherever that might be for you, taking the plane takes out experiencing how far the distance is for one, because, you know, 
You take an airplane and a trip that might take you all day in a vehicle only takes a few hours. And also you miss all the things in between. Mm -hmm. You know, you miss the mountains, you miss valleys, you miss small little towns here and there. You miss that old broken down gas station up there (laughs) or whatever. Yeah, I'm... I'm guessing he was most concerned about what it does to our minds and the way we see the world, knowing that that type of technology is easily at our disposal, that we can just go from one place to another without stopping, yeah, to realize the value of the places in between. Mm. Is a little bit of a tangent, but it's a different way of thinking about, I think, too often when the conversation of magic and fantasy and in Christian fantasy comes up, we don't stop to think about this is actually a really complex subject between magic having multiple definitions. We think of magic as something that's out there in the past. Do we think about, okay, how do those verses about not uh, going for sorcery, how do they apply to us today? Are they actually vanished commands that no longer apply to us as long as you don't get into witchcraft? Or are there other ways we can have the same motives as witchcraft, but do it differently so it doesn't burn our conscience quite as conscious quite as brightly? Because, yeah, we've come up with a different way to word it, so it's worded differently, so obviously it's different. One thing that uh, I've heard brought up that is kind of a complicated point is we know practicing astrology is bad like looking at the stars to determine your future and the path you should take right we'll all agree that that's bad the magi around jesus's birth (laughs) were told by god through the stars that jesus had been born so it's not as if god doesn't communicate through the stars at all it's parsing out that difference between us depending on the stars for our future or us depending on God for our future that maybe to some people he can communicate uh, his plan through the stars. Hey, if God can communicate to someone through a talking donkey, he can do it whatever <laughs> way he wants. <laughs> Just saying. And I forget who I read parsing it out as maybe God communicates big universe shifting events in the stars, but not personal like every single person can see their individual destiny in the stars kind of thing you mean i can't find out whether or not i'll win the lottery tomorrow (laughs) by looking at the stars tonight what a letdown (laughs) before we go i did want to give a writing update an update an update Ooh, exciting one might call it magical So for my next fantasy, David Jones Aquarium, Jason finished looking over the story and I just have some minor changes to make before I send it off to editing or find and hire a professional editor. (laughs) Yeah, that might be a good idea because as good as I am, I'm sadly not professional. Maybe it's because I'm married to you. Who knows? (laughs) What? Anyway. Personal interest. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... For Christian Fantasy 101, I've narrowed down, I think, more of my focus. I'm going to focus on three people, George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, and J.R.R. Tolkien. And I feel like I'm pretty close to finishing the research for that. You said the same thing about two years ago. But the plan is now to finish it within these two months before school starts. Yeah, good luck with that one. I will. Uh I I have it mapped out how exactly I'm going to pull that off, so... Just wait, you're going to run into a new wrinkle. That's the funny thing about research. You think you know where it's going, all of a sudden you come up with something and go, oh, got to make a left. At some point, though, you just have to call it done and say, okay, I'm ready to write. (sighs) I suppose. (laughs) So thank you for joining us for this episode. 
You can find us at www.book-bat.com. You can also find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever it goes by these days. I don't know, and I do not care. Again, that would be the Book-Bat Podcast. And yeah, you can follow. Well, I still, as Carlissa, I try to stay away from social media as much as possible. On Facebook, it's BookBat at on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah, like, comment, subscribe, share. That That's a good one. Share. Even if it's through word of mouth, because one of my sisters didn't know this thing existed. And that was most disappointing. So I came to the conclusion that most of the people that listen to this podcast don't share it. So share. Sharing is caring. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.